Hi, my name is Deborah Ogden and I would like to welcome you to this third season of On Brand With. The idea behind this podcast has always been to bring you into my world of personal brand and impact and hopefully bring it to life through the experiences and stories of me and my guests. One of the things I've learned over the years is that we all have a story to tell and over the coming episodes I'll be chatting to some more people that I know and admire and some that I don't know and I'll be asking them to share their stories and how they use their personal brands to really make an impact. We'll be exploring what best practice looks like in the real world. So let's begin. My guest today is Phil Fraser. Phil describes himself as a business sounding board and we will delve into that during today's conversation, which I have to say covers a broad range of topics, probably more than usual. Phil's career started out selling media advertising, including a certain publication, Just 17, that will bring back some memories for those of you who are a similar age to me. He has built and sold a successful business, which he parted company with and sold to a PLC in 2018. And we talk about building a team, building a culture and how difficult it is when you sell a business, what happens next. We talk about the highs, the lows, imposter syndrome and actually the fact that deep down Phil is a bit of a rebel. As always, I hope you enjoy this conversation. The thing that struck me when I was doing some research is so much of what you talk about seems accidental. So you talk about, I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I went to university, so I ended up doing politics, and then I ended up in accountancy. And then I heard you talking about gut reaction and going for your gut reaction always when you've done your due diligence. And you talk about sliding door moments. And we're going to come on to your story in a minute, but have you got here by accident? And what is it that has got you here? What is it about Phil Fraser that has made you such a success, yet so much of it has been what you call accidental? I I still see a lot of it as accidental. Um, you know, you, you've referenced things like sliding doors moments and going with your gut. Um, I think some of, some of it is about taking opportunities. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, the opportunity we had when we started our business... I could have quite easily ignored it, as could as could anybody else. So yes, it was an accident that it landed on my lap, um, but then it's a question of, of picking up and running with it. So I think some of it is accidental. I think a lot of it is accidental. Now, I don't know whether that's me, me being self-depreciating or whether it's imposter syndrome or uh, just me being self-effacing, but it, it, a lot of it did seem, looking back at it, accidental. And, and much of it was rolling with my gut reaction go well this this feels like a good idea or this Mm. seems like an opportunity so let's let's see where it takes us yeah um so let's start from the beginning because I've launched into this 
Honestly, Phil, I've got so much to ask you today. And I know you've talked a lot about your business journey. And I know you listen to the podcast and know these conversations can go in so many different directions. But it would be remiss for those that don't know. Just give us a, a, a potted version of your journey and what has brought you to be in the business sounding board that you are now. Okay, so uh, the abridged version is um, I ended up at the turn of the century, which sounds, long, <laughs> sounds a long time ago, um, at William Hill. Obviously, right. people will know William Hill. I was, uh, I was recruited to launch their first ever online casino. Mm-hmm. While I was there, we came across the concept of online bingo. Um I was tasked with doing a, a presentation to the board about feasibility, and they decided against doing it. Fair enough. Mm. I haven't got a problem with that. Um, I subsequently left William Hill and was working as a, a consultant in online gaming. And um, I clearly remember a friend of my brother's said, oh, I want to get into online gaming. It's, you know, it seems like a really sexy opportunity, and it's a growing industry. And I said, oh, you want to get into online bingo? And then about 48 hours later, I, I thought, hang on a minute. If I'm advising somebody else to do this, why don't I do it? So what I did was um, I dusted off the the William Hill report, changed it around a bit, and, and created um, a business plan, and then went out into the into the real world to do sort of Dragon's Den style, mm. uh, trying to find funding, which we got no funding for whatsoever, um, mainly because probably three main reasons. One. It was just about when the dot-com bubble was bursting. So launching an internet business then wasn't a good idea. Um, It was a legally grey area at the time. So people weren't sure whether to do it or not. And the third thing really was um, the big boys, Mecca and Gala, Mm. were were nowhere near this. So the obvious question is, well, if this is going to be so brilliant, why aren't Mecca and Gala interested? Mm. Mm. The obvious answer is, you know, with a a big company like that, they're too busy doing their own stuff without looking what's going on on the ground. so we got no funding whatsoever. But what I'd done is I built a very basic website which listed all the US bingo sites that were there at the moment. Because what we would have been, we would have been the first ever UK pay-to-play online bingo site. Because right. I was actually a bit too early. Uh, but we we created a website which listed these bingo sites. And on it, I put a very simple pop-up questionnaire to get some demographics. You know, so age, spend, sex, frequency, recency, that yeah. sort of stuff. So that when I did my presentation... I at least sounded like I sounded like I knew what I was talking about. So there was some planning in all. There this. was a little bit of planning. There was a little bit of planning. But what happened was um, we were then approached, subsequently approached by various some of these American bingo sites to mm. say, "Can we advertise on your website?" Okay. Now this is where this sort of falls into lap thing is because my previous career, my real when I had a real job, was selling advertising space mm. in, in print. In just 17, I yes, believe. One of the- <laughs> I had the very first edition of Just 17. Talk about it being my my era. So, yes, yeah, so, so is it, that would have been uh, a sort of reference for, for the older members of the, of, of the audience. Thank so, you. Around, around the time Bros were big. That was, that was sort of when I was selling in Just 17. I didn't only sell at Just 17, various trade magazines, and I ended up at Yellow Pages, which is a different story. So, so adver- selling advertising was sort of, one of my skill sets. Yeah, so when people yeah. said, oh, can we advertise on your website? I went, oh, okay. And that's, we talk about accidental, That's that became the business. Was so, this, this website became the business. So, you know, today you would call it a, a pivot. Mm. I call it a total accident. And just cutting across you there, yeah. but just there, it, it's that playing to your strengths, isn't it? So it's accidental, 
but it is actually recognizing and knowing you know i talk about clarity all the time if you have clarity of those strengths those opportunities all of a sudden become a lot more beneficial a lot more productive to the path that you're taking that's right and i think with that background when people were starting to say to us can we advertise on your website i could see the opportunity so somebody who, who perhaps didn't have my background in advertising sales may have looked at it and thought, oh God, how, how do you monetize this? Mm-hmm. And, and maybe the opportunity wouldn't have looked like an opportunity. Yeah. It would have been like, oh God, I can't do that. I'm, and actually, parallel to this, I was still looking for a proper job. A real one. A, a, real, <laughs> a real proper job. And this is, a, this is the, the big sliding doors moment. And I actually got offered a job with a digital agency, okay. you know, car, salary, nice package, all that sort of thing. And I went in to see them on the Friday before the Monday that I started and said, I'm sorry, I can't take this job. I've got this thing that's potentially happening. Mm. And that's the huge sliding doors moment. So do you think you're quite rebellious then? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my my musical tastes are, are, are basically punk. Right, okay. And I think that says a lot about me. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about personal brand. You've thrown yes. that out there already. Yeah, that's, that's, that's sort yeah. of part of me, yeah. The fact that I'm more wham or... Oh, well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> no. For the Foo Fighters, but, yeah. you know, it's, it's a real mix, isn't it? No. So what happened then? So, and again, in simple terms, you know, more people start... We were, we were lucky because we got in at the... At the, the start of of the industry the industry expanded exploded mm. so we had you know new bingo sites launching all the time so the okay. first five years was all america and it was myself and my wife working from home we got a couple of freelancers in um and again i see this as accidental you know our main freelancer basically decided to get a job okay which gave us this sort of stick or twist point. So we'd had this business, you know, working from home, it's doing okay. It's, it was sort of lifestyle business plus, you know, we could afford to go on holiday and things like that. Um, so we thought, well, shit, what do we do now? Do we mm. just get another freelancer in or do we do, we do big grown-up things like getting Commit. offices and staff? Mm-hmm. And at the time, um, Lead City Council were running some sort of free business support type thing okay. and, we, and we sort of got an advisor in. Um, and sort of showed him this business and it was like this is we've got this thing what what do you think sort of looking very scared and he just said when he just went go for it brilliant and mm-hmm. he actually gave me some very very good advice which was um you know when you're running your own business and you're employing freelancers when you take the first step to employ staff you think oh you know i'm 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 now have to pay somebody 20 grand 30 grand 40 grand whatever it might be yeah. and what he said and this sounds very cold and it's not meant to be. He said, actually, you're only in for a month's salary. Yeah. So if you, you know, simple maths, you say, I'm going to pay somebody 36 grand. You mm. think, geez, 36 grand, that's huge. But actually, you're actually only exposed for three grand. Mm. Because, yeah. you, you know, you can say, look, it's not working. There's a month's notice. Off you go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that sort of made it a bit easier. Yeah. But you still, and, and I've talked to various people about this with, with businesses, the first time you employ people, it's so scary because you think, oh shit, I'm responsible for their rent, you know, putting food on the table, their kids. Mm-hmm. It, it feels huge because mm-hmm. when it's your own business, you know, if we don't make money this month, it's just like hard cheese, you know, it's fish baked and chips. <laughs> <laughs> You're baked meat, yeah. um, which is, you know, which, which is part of running your own business. Mm-hmm. Once you're then responsible for other people's businesses, mm-hmm. that's scary. Yeah. 
But then we had a, you know, we took a, a, a grown-up office with grown-up staff. So we had a, uh, we, we employed two, we employed two people because it was myself and my wife. And we thought it might be a bit weird. Just that <laughs> myself and my wife and one person sort of sat there on a computer looking at us. <laughs> that might be a bit, a bit like, ooh, a bit cringy. So we got two. <laughs> what a great decision. <laughs> That's what it was based on. That was oh, nothing strategic about it. It was just this might not be as weird as just one person. <laughs> Love it. And that was an office above, uh, you know, a sandwich shop. It actually happened to be at the end of our road, right. so it was quite close. And the school bus dropped the kids off there, so we had um, we had a whiteboard in the meeting room, which the kids used to draw on. We had a box of Lego in the corner because they'd be dropped off at four, and we sort of finished at six. So we we're like, go and sit in the room, and they'd leave messages for the staff. Brilliant. Hi, Rob. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But that in itself is is part of a culture, isn't it? Yeah, yes. Yeah, and, and I think so many people try so hard to do things the right way, but again, accidentally, because of circumstances, things happen and a business grows in a certain way. And actually, that's the start of a very special culture. Yes, absolutely. And, and it, it's weird, you know, things like, you know, the kids were dropped off on the school bus because that's just, you know, you have to roll with that. But then, you know, they got to know the staff and, and all yeah. that sort of thing and innovate, you know. And, and a lot of the staff culture, some of it was accidental and some of it was brought from my previous job. Mm-hmm. I, we, we were talking earlier about, I worked at an ad agency mm-hmm. called mm-hmm. Brahm, who eventually turned into Brass. Um, and the culture there was fantastic. And I tried to bring as much of that in mm. to what we had as possible. Um, so that was very conscious. That was conscious. It was. It was. Um, you know, I felt these sort of things worked, so I wanted to do it. You know, one of the things we had at Brahm was we'd have beers on a Friday, and, mm. and we we did that for many years until we got too many staff and it cost too much money. <laughs> but there were little. Bring your th- own. Yeah, bring your own. Don't talk about bring your own parties. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's we won't different... go there. We no, won't let's go there. Leave that one. Um, so yeah. So culturally, I tried to. To bring those sort of things in, mm. um, and you know, we as the business grew, you know, we you know, every of Christmas parties and things like that. But we we used to take the team to events and and awards and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Do you not think that some of cult- I mean, people talk about culture, and I think after the pandemic, particularly, and so many people working from home, it's become such a big issue, and people trying to. You know, we were going to have this great resignation, weren't we, in January? There was lots of predictions. I don't know where we are with that, actually. But about retaining staff and that, you know, it's an absolute nightmare at the moment, staff retention. But do you think that that um, culture side of things is something that... It's actually, for me, it's about the small things. It is about the parties. It is about the Christmas party, the all the the um, extras, but often it's about the small things. It is the little note that your, is it a son, daughter, daughter two daughters. your daughter left on the, the, the side. It is the Lego, you know, good, uh, poor, poor person that stands on Lego <laughs> uh, in, in a, a meeting room. But it's those little things that actually make a culture rather than the Christmas parties and the bring-your-own-beer parties or whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we had... And again, it's the small things that I think make a difference. And it's, you know, it's somebody saying, look, can I come in late tomorrow morning because I'm going to my kids' 
music show or ballet show yeah. or you yeah. know, or my wife's ill, I've got to go and pick up the kids, do you mind if I leave early? All those sort of things, the small things make a difference. You know, one of the things we did, we had a rule of you have your birthday off. Oh wow. Okay, mm. you have your birthday yeah. off. Um, with the caveat of if it falls on a Saturday, Sunday, hard cheese. It's yeah. just, you know, the way it's it goes. Because that's going to happen anyway at some point. And yeah. that's going to happen. So, so yeah, if you think about it, you know, do the basic maths, you know, you pay somebody, I don't know, 40 grand a year, you're giving them one free day. What's that? It's, you know, 100 quid. I don't know whatever the maths is. But it makes such a difference. Yeah, what do you get back for that? You get enormous stuff back for that. Yeah. Um, and it's just those little things that just, you're... you're Without talking about it coldly, you're in, you're in, you're putting mm. pennies in the pot, mm. so that when you when you do have to say, look, yeah. we've got a deadline here, you're going to have to stay late tonight, yeah, which we tried not to do. You you get that buy-in, or you know, we're we're going somewhere and you have to stay away overnight. You know, you have to apologise to your missus. It's just mm. the way it falls. Mm. They're okay with it. Yeah, um, yeah. You know. and that's part of. So I, I do quite a bit of work with with companies on their employer brand as well, uh, to help with this retention. And again, it always comes back to culture, and you know, people then become your employees, then become advocates for your brand. Yes, they're your cheerleaders. They're out there talking about what a great place it is to work. And um, I was uh, recording a podcast not sure what order these are going to go out in but recording a podcast yesterday with uh, two young guys Ollie and Joe that have set up a digital agency and they started off very successfully employing friends and I said oh gosh how did that go but he said it's great because we've all got the same values we all appreciate the same things we're all in it because we want to be there and for them those those values and that culture they are bringing people in that fit the culture and their great ambition, yes, profit, etc., but to be an employer of choice so that they're not having to go out there to the market to find the right people, but they've actually got people saying, you know what, I want to work for you. You look like a brilliant organisation. You fulfil all my aspirations. And, you know, that is their dream. And I think that's a brilliant way of building a business. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you, if you take our story to the, the far end when we sold, a number of them came into my office Sort of within days, weeks of, of the decision, said, look, Phil, we think you've made the right decision. The thing we're really pissed off about is we like working here. Mm-hmm. And actually, I spoke to, spoke to one, of my, one of my team last year on the anniversary of it, mm-hmm. of it happening, um, and she said, I still miss it. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. three years tense. Yeah. Um, so we must have done something right for, yeah. for, for, you know, for people to want to do that, to want to work, you know, the passion is mine because it's my business and that's fantastic and you're never going to get that in the team Mm. but you can still get to a level of commitment and desire and wanting you know people used to talk about you know people talk about oh shit it's Monday morning Mm. I never felt that Mm. I hope my team didn't Mm. um, but you know you can only do that by building you know we did the bean bags and we had a I think we had a Nintendo in the end and (laughs) and they all those sort of things all help and we used to you know Number of times you go right. We're all going. To, we're all going for lunch and and all that sort of stuff. Oh, there's another. Sorry, <laughs> another one we took from from the ad agency. The day I joined, they took mm. me for lunch because mm. we were in Headingley. Took me to Salvos, and that made a huge impression on me. And every single member of staff we took on the first day, we took them for lunch. Let's. 
let's get to selling the business. Okay. So 18 years, was it? Uh, yeah, 18 years, mm. yeah. Mm. Long time. Yeah. So how did that come about? Was that another accidental opportunity? It was. It yeah. was. You'd be surprised yeah. to hear. So um, over the years, we'd had a, a, a number of companies approach us to purchase us. And, and, you know, a lot of people get very emotionally attached to their business. And I totally understand that. But I'd always had the bottom of my mind was, look, if you give us enough money, mm. fine, I'm quite happy to sell. You know, happy to take the money off the table. Mm. Um, and we'd have been approached a number of times by a number of people and they'd never gone anywhere. Um, so we got approached and our industry at the time had a number of big aggregators. So they were buying smaller businesses mm-hmm. and it was, it was quite an active market mm-hmm. and, and people were aware of it. It was very high profile and everybody knew what was going on. And we got approached by one of these aggregators who said, we'll give you uh, a, a big figure amount of money. And I thought, right, okay, that's big enough. That's big enough. So we went down to London to meet them. And when we met them, it was a little bit, well, you know, there's, there's this caveat and there's this caveat and there's this earnout and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't as, as perfect as we it thought. Seemed. But what we did... Um, what I then did was I contacted all the big aggregators because it was a small enough business for everybody to know each other and said, look, we're not for sale, but we're talking to somebody mm-hmm. and if you're interested, now might be a good time to talk. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I had in my mind, and somebody had said this to me, was like, all these aggregators have got a big pot of money mm-hmm. at the moment. They might not always have okay. that. Yeah. So yeah. that was sort of, I was conscious of that. Um and also, at the time, our biggest competitor was was on on for sale as well. Okay. And actually, our plan B was we we talked about trying to acquire them. So I thought, well, okay, if they if somebody buys that our competitor, they're not going to want to buy us. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a bingo comparison site. We don't want another one. So it was it was I wasn't being it wasn't proactively selling. It was just saying, look, this might be the right time to sell. So um, one of the people we contacted came back to us and said, right, we, we want to mm-hmm. talk. And we agreed a deal. And I was in the week that we were going to sign heads of terms. A third company approached us. Really? Okay. And I said, "Look, I'm, we're, we're about to sign. You know, I'm a man of my word. You know, I don't want to go back on it and all that sort of thing." I said, "If you, you know, if, if you want us to change horses, you're going to have to move the dial. You know, mm. It's not, you know, we'll give you another five grand or something. It had to be yeah. a, a make make a difference." So I sort of alluded to the sort of number that it should be and he came back to me a couple of days later and said right there's the deal now the deal was financially better but the structure was miles better and that made the difference so I had to go back to this second guy and go and really apologetically say I know I said I was going to sign really sorry I don't like doing this this isn't a negotiation tactic Mm. this is just we're going with these guys so we agreed the deal verbally in November we signed in April um, and we had a a three month handover that was it and did you manage to keep all this under wraps? Absolutely. Wow. I'll tell you a very funny yeah. story in a minute. Um, but the problem was, because they had nobody in the UK, mm. they didn't want any of any of the sort of employment issues of the UK. So they said, we don't want any of your staff. Oh, gosh. Having talked about culture and how, yeah. Absolutely. And also, um, you know, legally, you can't do that in the UK. Our lawyers had to mm. sort of financially get around that. Mm. So, and this this... And again, we talk about culture, and this is sort of counterculture. I came back off a two-week holiday in Thailand. Mm. On the landed on landed Manchester Airport on the Monday. Monday afternoon, went to the offices in Leeds to sign the the deal, and then had to go in Tuesday morning, having just come back from two weeks in Thailand, to say to the staff, "Hey guys, we sold the business," which in itself 
wasn't a, obviously was a big thing, but wasn't a shock because there was lots of RNA activity. But then to say to them, and you've got three months' notice, and nobody wants you. Oh, sorry, not nobody wants you. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Good communication yeah, 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 yeah. skills. Sorry, there. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> Honest. Yeah, the, 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 the acquirer yeah. doesn't, doesn't want yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. What we did was we, we basically paid them a retake. We paid them a. Um, so they worked for three months. We gave them a lump sum at the end. And I basically said to them, look, go for as many in- interviews as you want, you know, whenever you want, sort of thing. So how did that feel? I, as I said, we were coming back from holiday in Thailand. I practiced this presentation 20 times on the plane. Mm. How I'm going to say it, what I'm going to say, what, what can't I say, what can I say. And I, so I came in in the Monday morning mm. and said to, to my number two, Simon, you know, get everybody in the, in the mm. meeting room. He's like, oh, what's mm. going on? You know, he's just come back from holiday. And I was sat in my office and I I tried three times to get out of my chair to mm. open the door and I couldn't do it. Mm. And it was just like, come on, Phil, you've got to do this. You've got to do this. You've got to do, you know, you just got to do the, you know, you're a big grown up boy, yeah, <laughs> put your big sure. boy pants on and go and do it. So I had to stand up in front of my team, a dozen people and tell them that. That was the hardest thing I ever did. Yeah. That, that I was listening to, um, I know you're a fan of Dragon's Den. I was listening to Stephen Bartlett yesterday on his podcast and um, actually it wasn't. It was him talking to Elizabeth Day on the How to Fail podcast. And he was talking about how he stays, and you just hinted at it there, that you have to have that slight disconnect from your business. And he was saying that he'd played a lot of video games. And he sees running his vi- uh, running his business as if he's playing a video game, so he's that step removed but he sees his personal life as he is in the video game and he is the character within the game. And I'm just thinking there that however you grow a business, you keep that disconnect. At the end of the day, there's a blurring of the lines, isn't there, there when it comes to people, their lives. Yeah. You've worked with these people for however long. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it was difficult. You know, I sort of, and I, what I'd done is, I, I say, we came back on the Monday, signed in the afternoon. I, I got my number two, went to the pub with him Monday mm. evening and said, look, I need to talk to you about something. He said, oh, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Everything's been fine. There's no, I said, I need to speak to you. And we sat in the pub. And I, again, I'd even visualised where we were going to sit in the pub, in the pub because I thought that's the quietest corner. Mm. And actually, I went in the pub early and that, that chair was empty. I thought, right, okay. And he came and he sat there and he goes, okay, what have you done? Mm. Mm. So I had, so he was, I had to get him on side first and obviously I gave him the respect of telling him first before I told the rest of the team. But then I sort of did my bit, sort of left the room and he sort of took over and basically all decamped and went to the coffee shop opposite and all hell broke loose mm. and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, hugely difficult. You know, I know these people. I know, you know, I know the names of their kids. I've met some of their kids. I've met their wives. I've been, you know, one of them I've been to their wedding. Um, mm. It is very, very, very difficult, mm. you know. Um, but at the end of the day, you set up a business. For whatever reason you set up a business, you know, let's, let's cut away all the crap. At the end of the day, you do it to make money. And you're the one who's done all the risk. Mm. You know, your, yeah. excuse the language, your bollocks have been on the mm. line. Mm. Yeah. However much everybody else works, at the end of the day, you know, end of the month they go, can I have my salary? Yeah. And, you know, I'm the one, 
And this is not woe be me. It's, 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 it's you know, it, I say it's risk and reward. I'm the one who goes, right, okay, you know, I'm going to take on another person. That's another 40, 50, 60 grand off the, off, off the profit. You know, I'm going to move to a better office. We're going to, yeah. you know, give people company cars or whatever it might be. The risk is mine. You know, if the, if the company goes pop, I'm the yeah, one whose money's on the line, Absolutely. yeah. And they yeah. go, fine, I'm, you know, where's my salary for this month, right? Yeah. And, and the other thing to remember, and again, it's, it's, it's cold, it's not meant to be, at any day of any given week, of any given month, any of them could walk in and go, hand my notice in. Absolutely, because they've had the better offer. So fine, just no, no, that's absolutely that, fine, yeah. but it's this risk-reward balance. So yeah. yes, it's really difficult and it's really hard and all that sort of stuff, but at the end of the day, if, if you know, the reason you did it was to make money... And, and again, it's not meant to be cold, not meant to be heartless and all that sort of stuff. There's lots of reasons for doing it, but it's your business. And, and at some point you need to reward yourself for all the risk you've taken. And they're not mutually exclusive, are they? You know, yeah. you, you have that and you run it as a, and you know, we can come on to what, what you're doing now, but you run it with that um, practical head on, with with that profit growth head on. But that's not mutually exclusive of caring for your staff and having that culture and doing it in the right way and Absolutely. being kind. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I always tried to do the right thing. Yeah. That was, we, we talked about gut reaction, you know, responding to your gut. But my feeling was always, you've got to do the right thing. And, mm. and, and you know, I often say, you know, you, you don't have to be a shit in business. Mm. There's enough, yeah. To, yeah. whatever there's enough industry in- you're doing, yeah. whatever you're in, there's enough to go around. You don't yeah. have to be shitty. Mm. So, deal's done. What did you do then? Did you go and you have a place in Spain? Did you visit yep. off to Spain for a couple of weeks we, and uh, decompress? Or it was it was very very strange actually. I did go to we went on holiday and just sat by the pool and just decompressed. Yeah. However, the really weird thing is, so we did a three months notice, and the Friday when we all left was again hugely oh, emotional day gosh, so you know you, you know, right well, we'll go out for we'll all go out for drinks on a friday and it's like i'll see you on monday so we went out <laughs> took them out for lunch went to the pub sat around playing pool and darts and drinking and then you know as people start to go it was like bye yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like bye that's it like have it's a great life the, sort of thing it's not the word it's not the word but the really, really, really weird thing was on the Tuesday. So this was the Friday. On the Tuesday, there was an industry conference in where was it? I think it was Barcelona or Amsterdam, something like that, which I'd booked on booked to go in. So we we sort of finished on the Tuesday on the Friday, and I went. I don't know why I went on the Tuesday. I was thinking, oh, you know, I might buy another business or something. And, and so I was wandering around this place, and obviously everybody had heard the news, and like, and a couple of my staff were there, or my old staff. <laughs> It was just the stupidest. I don't know why I did it. It was the weirdest thing. Anyway, yeah. so so decamped. Unplugged. I wonder if that was actually you coming to terms with it, though, because a lot yeah. of it, um, a lot of the work I do uh, in the brand is around identity, and and actually your identity for the last eighteen years. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you've talked about it, and um, perhaps a good time to pick it up. But you talked about you were known as Mister Online Bingo. And that is, you've got to adjust to that, haven't you? So yeah. I suppose there's a part of you that still trots off to Barcelona. Absolutely, or absolutely. And, and it's it's weird. I've said this before. You know, you read all the business books and they're all about mm. startup and growth and expansion mm. and sale. They don't write the next chapter. Mm. What you yeah. know? All right, it's a it's a ten chapter book, and and chapter ten is we sell. Nobody writes chapter eleven. What the fuck do you do afterwards? Yeah, yeah. and you know, I was talking to. Um, 
Rich Burhouse, that was the founder of Magic Rock, and he was saying to me that, you know, it comes along and you sell. And he said, don't get me wrong, it's fabulous. He said, and, you know, my family is set up for life. He said, but um, Dean, Hoyle at, uh, Dean Hoyle from Huddersfield Town said to him, doesn't always make you happy. Yeah. As long as you understand that it doesn't make you happy... Yeah, go for it. And, and I just wonder what you would respond to that. It was it's it's a bit weird, you know. You, you know the the John Travolta meme when he's just sort of looking around. <laughs> it's a bit like that. It's like, well, what do we do now? So, um, I, I, there's a number of different routes I've I've gone down. So um, on one side, I've been doing some work with people at like Princess Trust and Young Enterprise and, and and that sort of thing. So it's a voluntary mentoring, um, and. I, I've I've still got this itch that says, "Am I just a one-trick pony? Did I get lucky? Was I just the right place at the right time?" And that itch sometimes needs, or I think, still needs scratching. So I've always had this this idea in my mind of, of either starting up a new business or more likely acquiring something that's maybe tired or non-core from somebody and turning it around, all that sort of thing. Okay. Partly to prove whether I can do it or not, and partly because it will keep me busy. And then the other stuff. Um, I've been doing and this is most of what I've been doing I sat down with somebody a mutual friend of ours mm. and, and he said do you know what you should be a business mentor mm-hmm. and my first reaction to that was who the hell's going to listen to me what, what do I know mm-hmm. and you know you don't realise how much you learn over your, your business journey and, then, and, and what happened following that various people friends and contacts who've got businesses contacted me and said, you know, can we just talk? I've got this issue I want to talk about. You've sold your business. What, you know, how's it, what's the process look like? How's it go? What's it like? Um, and people seem, for whatever reason, to, to get some benefit out of that. And then at the start of lockdown, what's that? March 2020. <laughs> how long ago yeah, it is now? Yeah. Um, you remember the weather was really nice. Mm-hmm. I sat in the garden and think, what am I going to do? And, and they're like, okay, I'm going to try and professionalize what I'm doing which mm-hmm. is sitting down with business owners and just listening to them and talking to them and, and bouncing ideas around so I, I sort of I think my imposter syndrome wouldn't allow me to be a call myself a mentor um, business coach I always think is very specific and is 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 you know a coach is teaching a specific skill and I wasn't really doing that so that so I came up with the term business sounding board mm. which is is what I'm doing so I'm not what I tend to do is I'm not advising people. I'm just asking them questions. Mm. So why yeah. do you do that? How are you doing that? Have you considered this? What about that? Have you thought about this? As well as, and I found, I, you know, the whole cliche, it's lonely at the top. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're running your own business, which is fantastic. But actually, sometimes you need somebody just to talk to. Yeah. Just to sit down yeah. and go, I've got this idea. Does this sound bananas? Yeah. Or... I've got this problem, I need to talk to somebody about mm. it. Or I've got this opportunity, I need to talk to somebody about it. Mm. Mm. So let's take, two, let's take two very extreme examples. Let's say you are buying your competitor down the road. And you think, well, it feels like a good idea. I think it's a good idea. You can't sit down with your sales manager and go, Dave, I'm thinking of buying the people down the road. What do you think? Now, first off, human nature, Dave's going to go, shit, he's going to keep their sales manager and get rid of me. Absolutely. Um, or he's going to go, oh, I'll tell everybody else. You obviously don't want to do that. And then you take the other to the other extreme, we're selling the business. Mm-hmm. Again, you sit, you sit down with Dave and go, Dave, we're selling the business. He's just going to run to the hills. Yeah. So, you, yeah. you know, 
and they're, they're, they're two very extreme situations. But all even those little, I always use the term making it up as you're going along. Mm. And that's what often it feels like as a business owner. And mm. it goes back to the gut reaction thing. So, you know, do the research, have a think and go, oh, this feels like the right thing. Wouldn't it be great just to be able to sit down with somebody and go, look, I'm thinking of doing this. What, does this sound daft? Or, mm. And often when I sit down with clients, them just talking and sort of verbalizing their thoughts makes it more real and makes it more concrete. And often they'll sit down, they'll talk through it and go, that's a crap idea, isn't it? Yeah. And you've probably not said And I've not said lot. anything. I've not said anything. Or they'll say, look, I've got this situation, you know, there's this happening, this happening, this happening. And I'll sit down and go, so what you mean is, you know, bang, bang, bang. And surely this, you know, the solution is, mm. is that, isn't it? And they go, do you know, you're right. Mm-hmm. And that's not being me being brilliant. It's just that standard thing of somebody from the outside looking in with a different perspective. I'm hearing some of your imposter syndrome there, though, I have to say. And I know these, I know we've been on a panel together on imposter syndrome, so I know this is something, but I do think there's a real challenge here, and and I see it with clients such a lot, that if you are naturally talented at something, then you dismiss it. You don't see it as a strength. Yeah. And there are things that we are all naturally talented in. So be it emotional intelligence, awareness, communication skills, and ability to connect with people. And so often in business, those aren't valued as business skills. And therefore, I do believe that they are not valued as they should be. And that's where the challenge comes because, oh, that's just who I am. That's just what I do. And therefore, we overlook those. And I think there is a challenge with imposter syndrome that those strengths are there. It's just that we're not recognising those as strengths. I, th- I think that's that's very much the case. Mm. And, you know, as I said, this guy said to me, oh, you should be a business mentor. And like I said, my mm. first reaction was, who the hell's going to listen to me? And I've looked a lot into imposter syndrome mm. as well. And if I may plug something, I'm interviewing a lady by the name of Claire Yosa, who is a an expert on imposter syndrome mm. next month okay. and I'll send invites out to everybody Brilliant. and that's going to be absolutely fascinating because yeah. she yeah. Yeah, th- there's there's a fine line between imposter syndrome which which is is quite a negative thing which actually stops you doing stuff mm-hmm. and that uh that fear of stepping through our our safety net our comfort zone yeah. and, and there's a fine line between the two and I think imposter syndrome is where you you actually stop yourself doing something where you really should Whereas that, ooh, I'm not sure. That's just natural, and that's and that's good because that's expanding your skill set. And yeah. I, I'm I'm probably somewhere halfway between the two. And you're right. If and I was talking to a friend of mine. I was I was explaining the, the sales process when we went through the business. And at the end of it, he said, "How do you know all that?" Mm-hmm. And, and and internally, my response was, "Well, well doesn't everybody know that?" <laughs> and and you yeah. you know you don't. You're absolutely right. You you think, oh well, everybody does that don't they everybody can think like that or look Mm. at things like that and people don't the more I've looked into it the more I think I'm some of it's probably because you know I did 18 years running a business Mm. and and sort of coming out the back of it I'm I'm re recreating me as a different person that comes back to that identity piece and that's, again. It's yeah. partly identity, and it's partly you know, yeah. You know, I'm sort of networking with leads, mm. the leads business sector, and I've never done that before. Mm. So, so it's new skills, new as skills. Well. So it's like, yeah, it, 
and again, this isn't, this isn't meant to brag, but you know, we sort of turn up at an online gaming conference and everybody knew who I was. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we know yeah, you, you're, yeah. You know, you're, the, you're the bingo guy. I walk into a networking event in Leeds and it's like, oh, hi, who are you? Mm-hmm. I've got to, I'm recreating myself. Yeah, it's it's yeah. quite strange. Yeah. Um, but that internalizing thing is, is, is really good, actually, mm. because we don't give ourselves... Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, we're British. We're not. We don't like showing off, do we? We can't. We can't say I'm good at this. We're not yeah. allowed to do that. Yeah. Um, so sometimes we have to look for that external approval. Mm. Or, mm. or obviously, you know, we're both sports fans. It's easy to mm. shout from the stands. You know, <laughs> our view of that, that the ability of that person in front of us. Um, and you know, the skill they have is they just block it out. They don't listen to. You've got to. And and this sort of comes around to what I'm doing. And I've talked about this before. You've actually got to listen to the right people. Mm. So again, mm. yeah, a lot of business owners will say to me, "Oh, it's all right. I, you know, I, I talk to my wife, I talk to my husband, or my mate's got a business. He advises me mm. as well, or my accountant advises me, or my solicitor, or whoever it might be." You've always got to remember, all those people have a have a have a dog in the race. Mm. Absolutely, you know, they do. Yeah, and and you know, a friend of ours always uses that uses the phrase, um, you know, "Somebody's got to tell you your baby's ugly." Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. This is business we're talking about, but your wife's not going to say that, or your husband's mm. not going to say that, mm. because they, yeah, you, the advice might be, let's go to extreme. The advice might be, look, this is this business is dead. You've got to close it. Yeah. Now your wife and husband's not going to say that because yeah. they think, shit, what am I going to do? We've got no money coming in. Your accountant's not going to say it because he's losing a client. Mm. You know, your mm. sales manager's not going to say it because yeah. he's going to be out of a job. You know, you do need that external. Some some of that external stuff, and it's mm. got to be from the right person, but some of it's got to come from internal. And that goes back to sort of my trying to get out of my seat and going, look, you've got to put your big boy yeah. pants on. This is, you know, I've been you've there. got to do it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I just got to ask you, uh, because quite often I'll have these conversations with my dad and, uh, you know, it's a bit close sometimes, as you say, but, and I... Somebody introduced me about 12 years, uh, 12 years, about 12 months ago to the idea of having a personal board of directors. So, you know, there are certain people that fulfill, you know, I'm pointing around the the chairs around the table that fill those spots. And um, do your children listen to you? Oh, God. Do your daughters (laughs) listen to you? What would your daughters say? Oh, they just think I'm lame, you know. (laughs) How old are they? So I've got one who's 26, one who's 20, what's she now, 23. So the the eldest one's a teacher. Okay. She's doing brilliantly. And the youngest one's just started a job as an estate agent. Right. She's the one who's more commercially minded. Mm -hmm. And and she was the one who sort of alluded to wanting to take over the business and all that stuff. Um, but whether they actually take advice from me, I don't know. I think they probably they listen to their mum rather than me. <laughs> <laughs> so just talking about advice, there was something that I heard, um, I think you were on a podcast or I saw it written down, that you were talking about somebody phoned you late at night, about quarter to seven at night, and that it became very apparent early on that they, they were looking for free advice and you chatted to them for about an hour and, and off they popped. And they actually said to you, you know, I'm surprised you've answered. And you said, well, it could be Jeff Bezos wanting to work with me. <laughs> and, and you said, um, and I, ca- I can't remember the context, but you'd said, you know, your tea was on the table and, you know, you might never hear from that person again. And on reflection, if you'd known that, would you have picked up that phone again? And you said, absolutely, yes. And there's um, a book 
that you may have come across called The Go-Giver. I don't know if you've come across The Go-Giver. No. I'll have to send you a copy. Um, but The Go-Giver is all about these people, and you'll know people like this in business, that are there to help. They've got something to share, and there is an abundance about them. You've already hinted at that already, that you know they're not looking for the next dollar, and they're not looking for the next pound, what's in it for them. They will connect people, they will share you know, and I'm a huge be- believer that it's about pulling people up behind us and sharing what we can. Would you call yourself a go-giver? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. And and actually, my wife always says I'm too nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I remember, I remember the 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 incident. And and my gut reaction, and I, I, and it was it was actually on LinkedIn because I posted it and asked. And my natural reaction was, yeah, of course I'm going to talk to you. Why wouldn't I? Mm-hmm. And 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 then after I'd done it and then I thought well why wouldn't you and it was interesting mm. seeing the conversation from other people mm. and you know I, I can't remember the guy's name I can't remember what sector he was in I can't remember mm. what we were even talking about and if it helped him fantastic it's an hour of my time it's not oh yeah we'll go back to we'll go back to how important your time is and all that sort of thing but in that scenario my gut feeling is well why wouldn't you but the thing is, and we were talking about this before we came on mic, about the impact that people have had on your life. The impact that you have had on that guy, you'll probably never, ever know. But that, yeah. tra- I mean, I've had situations where, as you know, I do a lot of public speaking and quite a lot of what I share can be have quite a personal impact on people. And I'll have people come up to me sort of from eight years ago and say, you shared this with me, this anecdote. And I think, God, gone about that but they say I think about that every day or I've taken that with me and it's in those moments that we don't know the impact that we have on other people and I think it was Mother Teresa who was it that said you know leave everybody better for having met you and I think you can have these little phrases that sound a little bit trite but actually believing somebody and listening to somebody in that moment can make such a huge difference when it comes to culture in businesses Mm -hmm. if if leaders were like that what a better place it would be yeah yeah and like i say it's not it's not something i've I've proactively tried to do Mm -hmm. it's not it's not that sort of thing i mean one of the one of the things i do do is um i talk in in schools talk to six forms about careers and cvs and I go through my winding road of what I did and all that sort of thing. And I enjoy doing it because I'm, mm. I'm an extrovert and I like standing on stage and, hey, people can listen to me. But if it helps one kid yeah. get, you know, one step further on, fantastic. Yeah. You know, and, the, you know, the teachers will come back to me afterwards and say, yeah, they were really, you could see they were really listening. But what the funniest thing is they always say, I can see them at the back going, I've been saying that. Now you listen to him. You don't listen to me. So I'm just reiterating what they're saying. But yeah, if it helps other people, fine. You know, what what does it? You know, why wouldn't why wouldn't you? Is the answer? Yeah. 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 Why wouldn't you? And one of the actually one of the things I I always say to the kids is whatever career you want to go in, try and find somebody who's in that business, and ask them for some advice. Yeah. And Success I say the same. Leaves clues, doesn't I, it? I yeah. say the same. I say the same thing all the time. I say, I have never found anybody mm. who, if they're approached by a kid or a sixth form or something like that, says, like, I want to get you know, a vet or a doctor or mm. a teacher or a public speaker or anything. Mm. I want to get into that industry. Could you give me some tips? Mm. Every single person would say, yeah, of course I will. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or maybe they don't. Maybe that's maybe that's my very naive well, view I, of I things. Actually, maybe think, they don't. Sadly, there aren't. Pe- yeah, there are people out there, and I come across them that. Well, what's in it for me? And I, I just. Yeah, yeah, that comes back to your integrity, your values. Yeah. So when you were sat at school, what did you want to be? Because I'm sure online bingo was <laughs> not something that. What I wanted to be, uh, what I wanted to be was I wanted to play for Leeds United. I wanted to be Alan Clark. Right. So it was for Leeds United as well. Absolutely. It wasn't being a footballer. It wasn't. Yeah. It was Leeds United. It always, always will be. Um, I had no idea what I wanted to do, and mm. and again, I I say this when I talk to the kids. I say, look. At school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I picked A-levels that I was quite good at. Mm. Um, and when I went to university, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I did politics, it was nice and broad, and didn't mm. tie me down to anything. And I left university still not knowing what I wanted mm. to do. Mm. And, you know, and, and again, these kids are being, you know, the teachers saying, well, you know, what, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Yeah, you know, I'll ask you, what what did you want to do when you were at school? Yeah, exactly. You and wanted to be a ballet dancer or something. <laughs> well, that's not being sexist. No. I think you've said that before, no, haven't you? I, yeah, ballet dancer or actually, um, my, my dad always thought I was going to play football for Manchester United. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it, it's interesting, isn't it? So I, I have, the, you know, I've got a 14-year-old son, Oscar's sort of at that point of what, what he wants to be a footballer. Um, he's a great footballer. He's not going to play for Arsenal where he yeah. wants to. I hope he's not listening. Uh, I don't want to kill his dreams just like that. <laughs> Mummy says you're not good enough to play for Arsenal. <laughs> but things we've talked about is it's it's about taking that passion and saying, okay, what are you good at? You're really good at maths. Mm. Why? Oh, you know, he's got a thing about being a, a lawyer at the moment, and he, he's a he's a great communicator. He's got a very clear idea of what's fair and what's not fair. Well, you know. Arsenal football is a good linguist as well. You know, Barcelona Football Club will need a finance director one day. Yeah. We'll need a company secretary. And yes, it's going to take a long time. But if you know, and it goes back to that clarity, if you know where you're heading, then you can start to create a roadmap, a strategy. Yeah. And it sounds very mapped out. And, you know, I'm very much like you. I'm sat here through a, a long list of opportunities and I always say, you know, I'm not the greatest salesperson, but I never turn down an opportunity. If there's an opportunity there, I'll spot in. I think where well, I'm going for that. Yeah. Uh, and I think my career has developed very organically, but I've also gone with my gut and I've gone with what makes me happy at the end of the day. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, I, I, yeah, going back to where we started, I had no career plan. Um, I think every, pretty much every opportunity was was. I generally want to go in that direction. Let's see what happens. So, so yeah, I mentioned I was selling advertising space and then sort of made the swap to working an ad agency. It wasn't a proactive decision. It, it's it's the way it developed. But again, one of the things I say to, I say to the, the kids is, you know, you take something from each job you've done. Mm. Mm. So I started as a trainee accountant, which is the weirdest thing. But, you know, 15 years later, at least I had some basic understanding of of business and profit and loss and balance sheets and mm. stuff like that from that. And, you know, I sold space and that gives me sales skills. And I was a recruitment consultant for a year. So it gave me an opportunity to, to learn how to, to make quite, quite quick decisions on people mm. and skill sets and all that sort of thing. So, you know, even if you have a winding or orga- yeah, org- organic's a good word. Mm. That's, that's more positive than just I'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I had an organic career path. I'm going to use that phrase now. You, at least you're picking things up from each step of it. Mm. Um, so, yeah. 
So you have, um, I'm just going to wind up, but um, because I always talk, we, oh, the conversations are always longer than intended, but you have your Nous of Fraser um, newsletter and we, we we had met, and I won't go into this now, but we met, uh, met a few years ago now, didn't we, through presentation skills training. But actually, we've rekindled our uh, relationship on LinkedIn. And what I love about LinkedIn and your posts on LinkedIn and also what you put in the nows of Fraser, which I recommend everybody signs up to Phil's because you never know what you're going to get. You're going to get chicken of the week or chicken of the month or all sorts. But you are absolutely authentic. And I'm a bit uncomfortable with the word authentic, but what else? You are absolutely yourself when you show up there. Is that something you've always been or is that something that's come with age and (laughs) uh, maturity and experience? Because, you know, I'm always saying to people, just be yourself, Mm. show up, be visible, put it out there. If they love it, they'll love it. If not, they're not your people. Go for it. I think I've I've become more aware of that mm. the older I've got, and I think it's it's difficult because you know when you go into business or you go into you know you get your first job after university or after school or whatever it might be, you have a perception as to you know, how you should dress, how you should turn up, how you should in. perform, how you should fit in, all those sorts of things. And yes, it probably comes with age that actually you think you get to the point where you think, sod it, I'm going to be me, mm. you know. Absolutely. And 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 as you quite rightly say, if you like me, fine. If you don't. Oh, geez, that's, you know, that, that's the way it goes. And, and it's funny, actually, you know, I've only got a small subscriber base on the Nouse of Fraser. Mm. Sign up, sign up, sign up. <laughs> um, so, you know, when somebody unsubscribes, it's like, oh, my God, somebody hates me. They don't like what I'm writing. And you take it very personally and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But there is that, there is that, the other side of, of sort of turning up and being authentic and, and all those sorts of things is actually you're selling you. So if you've got a job as you know, a sales manager, an accountant, a bookkeeper, whatever your job might be, you've got that uh, shield in front of you, which is your job. When you're selling a personal service like like you and I are doing, mm-hmm. it's it, it's like oh they don't like me, mm-hmm. and you have to you have to get over that and just go look. And and somebody gave me a great example. You know, you walk, you go to a, a party. There's twenty people there. Mm-hmm. You're not going to like all those people at the party. Mm-hmm. So. Turn it the way around. Not everybody's going to like you. And actually, if they're not right for you and they unsubscribe from your newsletter, fantastic. It means your newsletter is now more focused on the right people. And actually, if you look at the numbers, you know your open rates are going to go up, your click rates are going to go up because they're, they're more engaged than the people who weren't right in the first place and who have subsequently unsubscribed. But the, the, I think the going back to the authenticity, um, you know, I'm now in a fortunate situation where I can write what I want when I want because I haven't very fortunately haven't got that sort of monetary drive of mm. you have to say the right thing I can say the wrong thing and actually if you don't like it I'm not I'm not bothered it's not you know, the business isn't going to fall apart and clients aren't going to take their client their accounts away and all that sort of thing there's the rebel again hey sorry <laughs> good place to stop <laughs> Thanks, Phil. I've really enjoyed the conversation and uh, I knew we'd talk longer. It's been more of a challenge today of what not to say and what to leave out rather than to uh, include it all. But thanks very much for chatting today. It's a been pleasure. Super. Pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed today's conversation and I'd love you to join in the conversation as well. 
The best way to do that is through social media and I can be found at Instagram and Twitter at DO underscore impact. If you'd like to sign up for my newsletter or learn more about my monthly membership, The Impact Club, please visit the website at deborahogden.com. If you've enjoyed this episode of On Brand With, I would so appreciate it if you would rate, review and subscribe to help other people know we exist. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to On Brand With. It was hosted by Deborah Ogden and produced by me, Anthony Short. This has been an A Short Stories production.